Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word. Lord, the promise of your scripture is that the word does not return void, but it accomplishes what it sets out. Lord, I pray that we would be fertile soil, that we would hear your word and we would take it to heart. Lord, as James says, that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Lord, it's very easy for us to hear and then walk away and forget. So God, will you come, will you touch our hearts? Holy Spirit, once again, illuminate the word. Thank you that where the word is, that your power comes and you bring life. And so Lord, we give you this day in Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to this winter day here in June. Still trying to get used to this weather. Yeah, you're exactly right. I'm starting a new series today called Get Fit, as you can see up on the screen there. Um, we're going to take a look over the next few weeks, three components of getting fit spiritually. You could probably think of more, but uh, today is kind of a setup message to where we will be going. So um, you can see those components and you might look at those, the, the three components of getting spiritually fit, faithfulness, integrity, and thankfulness. And so we're going to look at be looking at these essential virtues and how they are not just good suggestions, but, but for our spiritual fitness, but keys to walking in the things God has for us. Um, and you can look at these three virtues and you can look at these three components and say, well, they don't seem like that huge things. But over the next several weeks, I'm going to show you in Scripture how important these things are to us as we walk as believers and we walk as Christians following Jesus and how important these things are to prepare us and to get us ready for what God wants to do in and through us. And like I said before, isn't physical training hard? Anybody ever set out and you said, I'm going to get in shape and, and you have a game plan in mind and, uh, and there, there was a, a funny video that I saw um, of this guy. It was kind of a, you know, talking about this thing and it was talking about that you needed to, you know, you need to stick to the plan. Well, it shows him go into the gym and the workout place, he changes his shoes, he gets, you know, gets all ready, puts his headband on, and he's looking at all the equipment. He walks around, looks at the equipment, and he's staring, and then he comes back, and he sits down, he takes his shoes off his headband on, and he packs his stuff up, and he's about to walk out the door. And, the, and this trainer looks at him and said, you know, I noticed that you didn't do anything. You just kind of looked at everything. He said, yeah. He said, my doctor said to take it slow. And so, first part was just to look around today, and... Uh, But physical training's hard, especially when you've been out of shape for some time, and you're going to get back in. Isn't it interesting that it's easier to get out of shape than it is to get in shape? <laughs> little reminders that we're not in heaven yet. It's like mosquitoes, little reminders that we're not in heaven yet. But physical training, what happens when you start physical training? It's hard work. I mean, there... There's very few people that start a program and, and get up after the first day, the first couple of days, or week, or two weeks as you get older. It gets longer, folks, before the soreness and stuff goes away. But nobody wakes up and says, you know, that, I love this feeling in my legs right now. Mind the muscles in my back, they, it's just, this is phenomenal. Nobody says that because it's hard. You get sore. You get exhausted. 
It's funny because I, I knew this was going to happen. I went for a run yesterday. It's the first time I actually got outside and ran kind of hard in a while, and I am sore today. And I was for a while running pretty regularly, and then you know, the more you do it, you don't get so sore. But I was sore. I'm sore this morning, and it was exhausting. But the benefits are what we look to. Isn't it interesting that we want the benefits without the work? That's why that the health and fitness and supplement industry is millions, probably billions of dollars. Because everybody's looking for that silver bullet to get in shape quickly without very little work. And you've seen, you, you guys have seen it. Some of you guys have that equipment in your house. You know, uh, that, that, that treadmill or that ab scorcher or whatever, now it's like it hangs your towels. It's a, great, it's a great indoor laundry service where you hang out your towels to dry. Be honest. Or the, the, the supplement, you know, the vitamins, take this, you know, for 10 days and you can lose, you know, 20 pounds in 10 days. And we buy into it, Right? We think that there's a way to do it. Or you see this weird contraption that they sell, and then, you know, in a, in a year, you can get one of those at a yard sale for like two bucks. <laughs> so just hold tight. It'll go down. It's, <laughs> it's the truth. And I always love that they have this big, gigantic, buff guy working this thing. I'm like, he does not look like that by working out with that instrument. I can tell you that right now. That guy worked hard. But once you commit to it, what happens? And everyone says that I feel better than I've ever felt. I have more energy. You, you hear this. The hard work paid off. What is very much the same for spiritual fitness. Why do people train? Why do athletes train? Or why do people, there's a goal in mind. We want to get in shape. We do want to feel better. But it's a preparation. You know, athletes, when they train, especially when, you have, when they're training for a sporting event, they have a goal in mind. They want to perform at their best level. And so the training is a preparation. It is, it is to get them ready to perform the best that they can. Spiritually speaking, God has plans for us. And he wants us to walk in everything that he has for us. It's interesting that Paul, in his letters, he uses athletics and physical training as metaphors for spiritual training and fitness. If you, if you read, several times he talks about running. Run in such a way as to attain the prize. Don't, don't, just, don't just run just to, 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 for the sake of running. Run as to attain the prize. Then he uses boxing as a metaphor. So some, some of you guys that like the kickboxing stuff. and He says, I don't want to box just beating at air. I want to I wanna land punches. I want it to, to matter. Of course, he, this is a spiritual metaphor, but he's giving this because he understands that people have an investment into physical training, and, and he even deals with this in one of his letters to Timothy. Because even in the first century, they cared about physical training. And I want you to look at this first passage, and I got this from the message. I love how this reads from the message. As we, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 10, this is to Timothy. He says, stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. 
Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Isn't that good? Kind of coaching us along here. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit. There's that word both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. You hear the heartbeat. He's saying, you know, physical fitness, and he gives the metaphor. He said, that's important. But how much more is godly training to make you fit and ready for what God has for you, making you fit both today and forever? Some of the translations are for this life and the life to come. That spiritual fitness is preparing us for eternity. Spiritual fitness is training us for what God has for us here, but also for eternity. Godly training has a promise in this life and the life to come. As believers, we're always in training. We're always in training. The things that we deal with every day, the trials, the mundane, the victories, the defeats, they are all training us in godliness to be more like Jesus. Nothing in your life, as you walk with Christ, nothing in your life is wasted before God. It's all training. It's all training. I'm going to get into that in just a, a little bit more in a moment. This has got the same kind of metaphor as military, and I've talked about military training, but some of you are familiar with the Band of Brothers. That there, was a, there was a series that had done a true story about the 101st Airborne that went into Normandy. They dropped into Normandy. And it's interesting because uh, the movie that you, that you see is, 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 is all true to life and these guys start out in training. If you've ever been in the military, it starts with training, basic training to get you ready. Well, these 101st Airborne guys, they are, they are in training, getting ready to do this mission that is, you know, as we know, in, in retrospect, it's one of the most unbelievable missions ever because, you know, the, 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 uh, the planes were getting bombed, you know, bombed hard and, and these guys ended up all over the place and they, you know, they missed drop zones and, and so it was, it was very intense. The battle was intense and if you study military history, these guys, everything in the world was against them and they rallied together to do great exploits. But it's interesting because this starts out in training and in training they had, uh, the, the guy that was training them was this guy named Lieutenant Sobel. And if you've seen Band of Brothers, this guy was a jerk, to be frankly honest. He loved having power, and he abused the power, and he would do, and, 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 and the company that he was over called Easy Company, that's, you know, there was nothing easy about being in Easy Company, but he pushed these guys and pushed them and, 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 and just almost enjoyed the power too much. Other, other companies you know, would make fun of them or they would, get, they would have a town pass and he would revoke town passes and make them run up this thing called Curahee. It was, I think, three miles up, three miles down. They always talk about three miles up, three miles down. And he would do very harsh, very cruel things in training just to kind of abuse his power. Well, fast forward at the end... And you hear the real guys talking about this, these older men that lived through this. And at the time, they could not see any benefit to having Lieutenant Sobel as their leader, as their trainer. But these guys later on, 
In fact, the guy that ended up taking over that company uh, ended up being a major, but Major Dick Winters, he said even they could look back and the hardness of Sobel prepared them for what was ahead. Because they were going to get into some of the most intense battle you know, sequences, I mean, dangerous, where they were deprived of things. I, I mean, it was just awful. And, he, and they were able to look back at Sobel's training and say, we benefited from that. But when we were going through it, there was nothing fun about it at all. In Jesus, nothing in your life is wasted. The things that you go through, the trials that you go through, the, when, you, when you feel like that you can't take any more, that is, is not wasted time with Jesus. In fact, we see this played out over and over in Scripture. The trials and challenges that people face were training ground for what God was going to do and what God had in mind to do for them. I'm going to look at a couple examples right now. First is Joseph, one of my favorite stories. The story of Joseph has walked me through some very hard and difficult times and spoken to me. And we're going to just look at the end of the story um, before we look at the, uh, the last part where Joseph could see God's hand in it. If you're not familiar with the story, you know, Joseph had dreams. God spoke to him. He was 17 years old, young man. Felt like God was going to use his life in a mighty way. Had a couple of dreams. Told his brothers the dreams. And it was about them serving him. And, you know, and, it, and it didn't go well for him. They didn't like him. He was his father's favorite. And they didn't care for him too much. And so, you know, as the story goes, they sold him into slavery. They had, they had talked about killing him. They sold him into slavery. Told the dad a lie that he'd been killed. And, and, and so he sold into slavery. He's faithful to God even having been sold into slavery. He was still faithful to God. And the Lord was with him, and he worked for Potiphar, and God raised him up as the head slave in Potiphar's house. And you know, I wonder if he's thinking, was this what God intended when he gave me those dreams? I, it's hard for me to work this out. Psalm 105 tells us that the word of the Lord tested his character. And so I, I imagine he had some questions, but then, so he's faithful to God, and then we have Potiphar's wife making the move on him. And he says no to her. No, no, no. It says daily she was making advances at him. And he said no, no. And finally one day they were the only ones in the house and she cornered him and he ran for his life. Guys, a little pause button. When lust comes your way, run like Joseph ran. And it says that she grabbed his cloak even and he ran, he ran right out of his cloak and he just... And so integrity, faithfulness, and what happens? She accuses him of rape, and he gets sent to prison. Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, but that would be a hard pill for me to swallow if I was following God and in and, 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 and Joseph's situation. Loving God, being faithful, doing the right thing, he gets falsely accused, sent to prison. So what does he do? He stays faithful to God. Now he's the He's right underneath the warden, and he's kind of over all the other prisoners. But this is hard. I mean, he's, he's in a very hard, very difficult circumstance. This is a trial and a challenge. But then he, you know, he, he does two dream interpretations to two fellow prisoners. Then later on, Pharaoh has a dream. And then we, we see Joseph 
ultimately put into a place of power 13 years later after he had the dreams. And so we pick up the story at the end of the story, Genesis 50, 15 through 21. It's up on the screen. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, so their father had died, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they, went, they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. So it's a little good way to manipulate your way out of trouble. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins, the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We're your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. I want you to hear that. As you face trials, as you are going through something, as you are enduring something, Listen to the words of Joseph. He said, it, is good, it was for good to accomplish what is now being done. God wants to accomplish something in and through your life. And he can use even the trials and the circumstances of life that are very hard to train you for what he has for you. And listen to what Joseph says. Here was what was going to be accomplished, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph saw the last 13 years. He said, you know what? You guys meant it for evil. God used it all for good. God was training me, getting me ready for something that he had for me. And he had an eternal godly perspective. Instead of holding a grudge against his brothers, instead of saying, I, I refuse to forgive you or I'm going to throw you in a dungeon and see how you like it for a while. Let me show you what I endured. I, I, hope it, I hope it happens to you too. He, just, he, he was kind to them and he loved them and he actually wept because God had touched his heart and he said, I don't, I don't hold that against you. He had a godly, eternal perspective seeing that God was orchestrating everything. Even what his brothers meant for evil. And you hear that and this is kind of a neat picture because it, it points us to where we're at. This is the saving of many lives. And that's what God wants to do through you and me. He wants to save the lives of those who are lost, those who don't know Christ. It's our calling as well, and everything that we're going through is training. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. Let's listen to Paul real quick. Paul, 2 Corinthians 4. Paul was very honest before the Lord. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. And for him to say, we're jars of clay, that wasn't really a compliment. He said, we're, we're cracked pots, if you will. He said, we're, we're broken, we need Jesus. But he said, there's a treasure that we have when we have Christ. There's a treasure in us. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So anything that good, he's, he's saying, it's good that we're cracked. It's good that we're jars of clay. Because when something good, people can see Christ, and it's God that's doing the work. And he says this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. You see, he, he says the reality, but then he says he has the, the, the godly perspective. You know, he's not pretending that everything's okay. 
We're pressed on every side. Have you been pressed on, on every side some days, some weeks, some months, some seasons where you feel pressed? And Paul said we're pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. And that's a hard one. You ever go through something and it feels like God has abandoned you? I have. Where you feel all alone, where you feel like your prayers don't make it past the ceiling? He said, we were persecuted, but I know we weren't abandoned. And some of this where he was just speaking in faith. God, we didn't feel you, but we knew you were there. It would have been easy to give up, but we knew you were there. We were struck down, but not destroyed. And if you look at the history of what happened to Paul, he was beaten, he was imprisoned. Things just, in an earthly way, did not go well for him. It could have seemed very unsuccessful from many standpoints. But then he says this, verse 10, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. In other words, he said, even if we get killed, God's going to get glory for it. Christ is going to be seen whether we live or we die. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. You know what he's saying there? In Christ, we win either way. In Jesus, we win either way. If it goes well, we win. If it goes bad, we win. If we live, we win. If we die, we win. In Jesus, we win. And that's what he's encouraging the Corinthians. He's saying, don't give up. It's easy to give in to despair and just stop. It's like the spirit, it's like the physical fitness is when you get sore in those days where you, you, you know you need to go to the gym and you know you need to go out and go for at least a walk and everything in you, you know, your body is saying, stay in the bed. What are you thinking? Or when you're coming off sugar, anybody had that delight? Sugar is like a drug. You know, you get headaches and feel yucky and, you know, and, and then just sugar sounds good. And then isn't it interesting that you can go days without sugar and not even think about it, but when you commit to a plan of fitness, then it comes, right? You get up in the morning, your stomach is growling, and all you want is a bowl of ice cream. Okay, that's just me. But you hear what Paul is saying. He said, don't, don't quit. Don't give up. This is training you. This is strengthening you. Because you're going you're gonna to get through this and you're going to be stronger than you've ever been before. Because God has a plan to save many lives through you. And then he says, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Did you hear that? His grace is reaching more people through our weakness, through our brokenness, and it's causing thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. It's easy to lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's spiritual fitness. 
for our light and momentary troubles. And I always get a kick out of that. Light and momentary. And if you read what Paul went through, it didn't seem light nor momentary. It seemed heavy and long. But he would look at Christ and say it's light and it's momentary. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. That's the key. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And so he says spiritual fitness, whatever you're going through, don't, st- don't stay there looking at what is seen. And, 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 and when you're in the fire and when you're going through the trial, it is very difficult. But what Paul is saying is don't stay there just staring at it. Get your eyes on what is unseen. God, you are good. God, you are working. I don't see it right now, but you are working. I am sore right now, but you are working. I feel like giving up right now, but you are working. I'm not going to give in to discouragement. And so through his struggles, he could see that God was using it for his glory, to train him for building up the kingdom, for the grace of many, to reveal the glory of Jesus. And that's why James could say this as we go to the next one. I meditate on this sometimes, but I, I just, I don't know if I even get this. And all of these guys that went through some very difficult times, very difficult seasons, James even takes it a step further and he says, don't just endure it, consider it joy. Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's spiritual fitness. Let it finish its work. Because there's a joy on the other side. There's a victory on the other side. And I can tell you, every athlete that achieves a goal or they win a prize, they can tell you the suffering, the hard training that they had to go through was worth it. And so James says, consider it joy. Look at what Paul says, and and I'm going to... Look at uh, one other passage, and Paul kind of says something similar to this, Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through our Lord Jesus, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, and this grace is which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Rejoice in sufferings. Doesn't it seem like those shouldn't even be in the same sentence? Because we know that suffering, what, produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Spiritual fitness. Paul says when you're going through something, it's going to build up a perseverance in your life. Last week we did these cardboard testimonies and it was just such a blessing to see the different stories and if you weren't here, you really missed it. Go on Facebook on my page and you can watch it. Um, but I love that behind that was, it, it is all of these things. It was, we've gone through this, but in Christ we have found what he was doing. We have found victory in him. 
And that is why the kingdom of God is being built in and through us. That's what you know, Paul said before, to, to the glory of Jesus, for the grace of many, like Joseph said, to the saving of many lives, that we become wounded healers. When somebody has gone through addiction and Christ sets them free, all of a sudden they can look at somebody with an addiction and they can say, look at what Jesus did for me, look at what Jesus offers you. And through my trial and my training, now I'm offering the grace of Christ to you. I was abused. Jesus did a work in me. Now I can minister to those who are abused. And you see all of that being training. You can see God working in the midst of even difficult circumstances. Not put her on the spot, but Jan has said this before. After, you know, years later, after having lost her son, that she said, you know, would, would, you, would you have Adam back? No, I know where he is. And now God is using her life for the grace and the glory of Jesus to touch many lives. And she can see the work of God through it. I'm not saying it's easy, you guys. That's why I, the parallel, the metaphor to, to physical training, it is very hard, but it's worth it. If we belong to Jesus, God is up to something in our lives, even in the struggles, even in the mundane, even the boring average days. Sometimes it's not even a trial. Sometimes it's just average mundane things, the, the, the daily life. There's nothing wasted. It's training and God is getting us ready. And I love that he can turn our trial into a testimony and he can make us wounded healers, if we will submit to him. And like the two words from Carrie and Jim, if we humble ourselves before him, and he does things with our lives that we never thought imaginable. What's the problem then? The problem is that we, we fail the test because we don't like the process. God, if you could develop my character and you could give me in perseverance in seven days, that would be awesome. God, is there a silver bullet that I could have that in 10 days I've become spiritually fit and ready for your kingdom? And the answer to that is no, because God walks through us in relationship day by day, and he's working in and through us to accomplish his will. But it's hard in the process, isn't it? Because during the process, the enemy comes in with lies. The enemy comes in calling God into question. The enemy gives us every reason that says, you know, it's not going to be worth it. If God really loved you, he would not be allowing you to go through all of this. Do you, you think God is a God of love? Man, look at what you guys are enduring. Look at what your family's going through. Look at, look at this. And then we can listen to that and we can get very discouraged and then we quit. We just check out, forget it. Again, to go back to the metaphor of, of sports, world-class athletes get where they are because they are committed to the components that got them there. Commitment, even the mundane. 
I was a Larry Bird fan. If you guys, some of the younger guys go, who? Larry Bird, the great, one of the greatest basketball players ever. Any Larry Bird fans here? Come on. Even if you didn't like the Celtics, you had to like Bird. <laughs> and Larry Bird at one time had the highest free throw percentage in the league, like 94% free throw percentage. It's incredible. And somebody talked to him one time, and you know, they said, you know, that's just unbelievable. And you know, like, they were kind of almost talking to him like it came easy. He said there was nothing easy about it. He said, you know, I shot 500 to 1,000 free throws every day. To where then it's just, I, he, it just was in a rhythm. And, and he said, you know, I was just committed to it. There's other athletes, they talk about, you know, and they want to say, well, you know, do you have some secret thing that makes you so successful? And I like the humility of some of them. They just said, no, you know what, I'm working harder than other people. When other people go home, I go to the gym. When everybody finishes their laps, I'm running more laps. Because I'm committed to the mundane. Because, see, the mundane isn't, we, we, we like, the, we like the, the big, the grandiose, we like the fireworks. We like, we like watching them perform at their best level. And you watch them on TV and, and you're like, look at that. And, but what we don't do is we don't go somewhere and watch them run around a track a hundred times. Because that's just boring. Who wants to see that? We want to see them perform on the field, on the court. That, that's, what, that's what makes it come alive to us. And we go, look at that. But we don't see the mundane, the swimmer that's swimming lap after lap after lap at 4 o'clock in the morning. And they just are committed to it. And nobody's going to be standing there watching them just go back and forth 4 o'clock in the morning. We want to see them in the Olympics winning the gold medal. That's the big stuff. But they were committed to something long before the event. They were committed to perseverance. Some of them have gone through trials where they have a little nagging injury that they have to work through. And there's times where everything in their body says, quit, stop, don't do this. And they said, no, there is a prize ahead. And that's what Paul says, even the prize of an athlete. And we put so much stock in that in our culture. But what a pitiful thing that fades away. And in 10 years, next year, no one cares who won the championship. Yeah, of course, you, you do care if it's at your team. You talk about that forever, especially if they haven't won in a while, Washington Redskins. Um, that's my team. So i got to live my glory days. But nobody really cares. And that's what Paul is saying. He said these earthly things, they just fade away. But look at the commitment. That's what he's trying to drive. He said, live for something, train for something, persevere to something that will never fade. It's the glory of God. It's eternity that is at stake. It, lives are at stake to the glory of Jesus and to, uh, to have eternal consequences to it. And so as we look at these athletes, it's the same thing spiritually. We we want the instant results without the commitment. We at times think that the only answer is for God to instantly get us out of the predicament that we're in. God, I have a request, and it's to get me out of this as quickly as possible. Amen. <laughs> and sometimes he does. Sometimes he rescues. Sometimes he can instantly reveal his power through that. But a lot of times he is developing in us something that is going to actually be benefit, 
not only to us, but for the kingdom of God and for the saving of many lives. So that's not usually how he works, and I think that that is biblically supported if you look at the lives of of the people who lived then. He is training us for victory. He is training us to be overcomers. He is training us to be wounded healers. He is training us to be kingdom builders. But there are key components that precede getting us to where we want to be. One example is this. It's not up on the screen, but in, in, in Acts 2, where we have the birthplace of the church. And we love that the Holy Spirit came in power. There was wind. There was fire. It was a, it was a pretty awesome meeting. I mean, this was a meeting that I would have loved to have been in. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? Where you're inside and wind starts blowing and, and, and it says like cloven tongues of fire appear over their heads. I mean, that would be a good day. And we love that part, but here's what, there was something that led up to that where the Holy Spirit came. And it's the phrase that's right before suddenly. You know, we like the suddenly part. Don't we like suddenly? We don't like process. We like suddenly. I was running, I was running 5K and suddenly I lost 10 pounds and was in shape, the best shape of my life, suddenly. I love suddenly. Or we try to get in shape all in one day. Isn't that funny? I'm going to run it off today. 10 miles, here we go. About a mile in, you're like, this was a bad idea. But I, Acts 2, right before the suddenly, it says they were all in one mind and one accord. They were all in one place. There was unity. See, we like revival. We like the Holy Spirit falling. But if we're not committed to unity and loving each other, and you can look at that all through the letters that Paul writes to all these churches, and he spends a whole lot of time about loving each other, forgiving each other, and unity. Loving each other, forgiving each other, and unity. We won't have revival without unity. It would, be a, it would be a mess, and God would be doing us a disservice to say, I'm going to pour out my spirit, and there's no unity. Because then there would just be factions, and then it would be church splits like there have been in the past. You know, most of the revivals that have happened in our nation's history have ended badly. God moved, and then all of a sudden factions came, and they were fighting, and they split. A lot of them. I mean, read history. A lot of them end badly. And so they were, they, were, they were all together in one place. They were in one mind and one accord. And then suddenly the Spirit came. And why do I say that? Is because these components that get us ready for what God wants to do. And it's just like he's saying, you want revival, but you don't want unity. It doesn't go together. You can't, it doesn't work. It would be a mess if I gave you revival without unity. And so these components are what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Um, I wanted to share a little bit this morning about just where we're at with Judah as, as it pertains to this message because this message Again, it's not just for you. I mean, I, I, the way I develop messages is usually it's a season that I'm in, what God's doing in me. He's convicting me, he's speaking to me, he's challenging me. I don't have it all figured out. And then I just get to give it to you as God's giving it to me. 
And so I'm, I'm, I'm living this season and, and uh, you know, for, for myself and Athena and Taylor and Tori are so much a part of this as we adopted Judah. And I can tell you, it's the sweetest and hardest time of our lives. And I was praying last week for Judah, and, and, and most of you know his story. You know, we adopted him in October, and his feet were severely deformed, and, and they've had to do amputations. And now, um, if, some of you guys know what my, our story, if you're tracking along with Facebook, and they have fit him with uh, prosthetic feet. It's, uh, you know, it's just uh, he's been amputated at the feet, but the prosthetic slides on up to right below his knee. And he's trying to get used to those, and... Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's hard. We had rehabilitation on Thursday and Friday, went really good. Now we just need a room filled with toys. So if you guys could work on that, that'd be great. Just a gigantic room with balls and toys everywhere so we can work on his walking. Um, we get home, we're like, what are we going to, how are we going to ever compete with that? You know, and he's like, yeah, I'll go over here. And he's got his little walker and they're, they're, they're doing all kinds of things with him. But he gets home and he's like, you know, there's nothing here. But walking with him through this process is, again, it's very sweet, but it's very hard because from a two-year-old perspective, and I, and I was praying for him last week, God give him grace to see the benefit of having new feet. And see, right now he can't see the benefit. Most of you have seen him going around on his, on his knees, and, and he is really good at it. He's fast. I mean, and... And I think from his perspective is, I can get around just fine. Who needs new, you know, who needs that? Who needs new feet? I can, I can do just fine on my knees. And so a part of this, and, and, and the part of the hard part is that, you know, he's, he's old enough to understand that his feet aren't there. And when we took those casts off and we gave him a bath for the first time, he just grieved. He cried for about 45 minutes. It was just a grieving very, very grieving cry because he understood that my feet aren't there. You know, here we are, you know, we're going to lovingly bring, bring you into our home and then let them do that to you. And I think you know, part of this, he's trying to, you know, almost trying to figure out his, his wheels are moving. He's very smart, but his, his wheels are always moving of, of trying to, 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 to almost grasp this. And so now, you know, you, you, we put the feet on there. And again, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's tiring. We were at rehab the other day, and, he, you know, day one went good. And day two, he had a little bit of a meltdown. He's getting tired. You know, he's working these muscles that he's never worked before. You know, they're, they get him to, you know, sidestep, you know, and, and you can tell. And he starts leaning backwards, and, you know, and, and it's a lot of times, Mama, Mama. You know, just get me out of here, please. You know, and he's, you can tell he's sore. He's, he's working, again, he's working these, these muscles. He, back, that's his thing now, back. He wants us to rub his back, back. And his lower back is sore. And I was praying last week for him, and, and I was in here and just kind of crying out to God, God, give him, give him grace and help him to see the benefit. And I know at some, at some point he will. But right now he can't. And I felt like the Lord just whispered to my heart and said, this season that you see Judah is how I see you and how I see people. Because when you're going through something, 
you know, we're like a two-year-old. We, we, you know, compared to God, we are even less than that. But God sees this big picture, and he sees that we are made to walk, and he sees that even through the trial, even through the hardship, even through things that you don't understand and you don't get, and you are just fine on your knees to wiggle around, he said, but you were created to walk. You were created to run. You were created to do things, and I know that you can't see it right now. And the pain that you're going through and the pain that you're enduring is not wasted. And God's going to give you new feet so that you can walk and you can run and be who he has created you to be. And this need for spiritual, becoming spiritually fit to become all that God has for us, to do all that he has for us, to become the people of God that he wants us to be. And here's the thing that's really hard is, is it be easy when Judah cries and when he's done, and I don't want, is to say, we got to keep going. And it'd be, it would seem to be merciful to say, all right, let's just quit. Let's just, let's just not do it because it's hard for him and he's crying. Let's just, and it would seem to be merciful to say, well, just let's, let's stop. And then you disable him even further. Because God has a plan for that boy. And we see it. We kind of can see a little bit of it. I mean, we're still limited, but we can see the big picture when he can't as his mom and dad. But we see that God is working. I don't know where you're at today, but nothing in your life is wasted. You might be in the middle of a training season. You might be in a, a season that is very difficult, very hard, where you're crying out to God maybe daily, Mama, Dad, Dad, please do something. My back is hurting, my legs are hurting, and I want to stop. not wasted you guys it's not wasted in Jesus I feel like the Lord wants somebody to know that here today it's not wasted maybe you're in the mundane right now you just feel like you're just kind of dry you're going through the motions and it's not wasted time maybe you're in a fiery trial where it's maybe you're considering one of the most difficult seasons of your life I want to encourage you that it's not wasted. Jesus sees you. The Holy Spirit knows your heart, and he wants to minister to you, and he wants to walk you through it and make you who God has called you to be. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're here now, that you're speaking, that you love us. Lord, we are your children, and... Uh, Lord, in a lot of ways, we are like Judah. And we just don't see sometimes the benefit of what's going on. We don't see what's the use of why this or that is happening. It just, it just feels like pain. It just feels like soreness. But Lord, you're training us. You're, re you're preparing us. I pray, God, today that, Lord, just that you would encourage people not to give up not to be weary in well-doing, not to 
not to, that they wouldn't stop, but Lord, they would just continue to persevere and run the race. I just want to take a moment, and I don't want to lose this moment, but if, David, if we could have a, just a soft CD playing, that would be great. I want to pray for you today um, as we close our time together. And if you could just bow your heads and, and close your eyes and, and just, just be alone with God and we'll, we'll have the lights down. And, but I just want to take just a few moments here to pray for you. And, and maybe some of this touched you in some way and uh, maybe it spoke to you in some way and we just want to come into agreement with what God is speaking, and, uh, and, and if any or of all of that, or, or, or there's something specific, and you just say, you know, Lord, Lord I'm crying out to you today, and I, I just really need to meet with you today, and, and, and you're in a season right now of, and, and you can say it is training, it is hard, but I, I need the Lord right now, and I just need his, his voice, his touch. Would you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you. Thank you for those hands, and I just want to pray for these guys right now, and Jesus... Lord, you see the hands that were raised. Lord, more importantly, you see hearts. You see lives. God, you see these seasons that these folks are facing. Lord, right now, I just pray that you would encourage them today. Lord, I thank you that in training that we are not alone that you are there beside us. Even when we can't feel it, maybe our emotions are kind of raw and we, we don't feel much of anything, but Lord, you are there. And Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would just touch, strengthen, encourage each one of these today. I pray that you'd be very real to them, God, that they would understand that nothing is wasted. That, Lord, you're training them, that you're preparing them for something that is ahead for the grace and the glory of Jesus and to the saving of many lives. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.